For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Welcome to VUC number 604 for July 29th, 2016. Before we get on to Randy and the boys with the show for the day, we'd like to make a shout out to our friends at Digium who bring you Astracon, the asterisk user convention, conference, and expo, September 29th. Actually, let's make that the 27th through 29th in Glendale, Arizona. You will meet a lot of interesting people there talking about all kinds of things, telecom, VoIP, asterisk, switchbox, etc. And now, on with the show. Jim Dixon. I know, when's the last time any of you guys heard that name? Because he was, that's like 2004 material or something. He wrote the initial uh, Zaptel stuff, right? Am I wrong? Sounds right. Um, Zapata. And then he got, they got into a fight with, with somebody who made beer or chocolate or something with the same name. And had, he, they had then had to change it to something that nobody else would ever use, which was mm, Dottie. 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 Who is your Dottie? Exactly. One of, um, one of the jokes. Yeah, no, my, my, my Jim Dixon story, if I'm right, is that he, I had just bought him the original MacBook Air and he ran over it in his electric wheelchair. Um, it survived, actually. Through Davros style. <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. But um, it was my fault for leaving it on the ground in Astrocon in the corridor, but um, yeah. you reversed onto it. You weren't preparing for a yeah. demo, were you? Uh, I may have been, actually. But anyway, it survived. No, well, that, was, inch, but... that was in the days before Dangerous Demos, when every single demo that Tim did was dangerous and likely to fail. Well, I, I have to say, actually, James, that I suspect that the first demo of mine you ever saw was a rousing success, which was the one at eTel, in which I managed to make a phone call from a browser, which and, and ordered pizza, or didn't actually. Um, but that was that, that worked. That worked. And that was many years. That's probably what eight years ago. No so, longer. No, the first time I actually saw one of your demos, actually, Tim, was at an Astrocon. It was the same Astrocon um, in Texas somewhere, I think. Um, oh, Dallas. Met um, um, the lovely Zoipa Mira. Yeah, oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah, we were at that point, we were deadly enemies because um, Zoipa were doing a competing thing. 
But at the time, was it Zoipa then? I, I, I kind of recall they, they, they put together a, a, a joke uh, ITSP and they called it a tractel. So Mira was there with two of her girlfriends wearing miniskirts. That makes sense. And they were pursuing the poor Astrid Connors and, and, uh, and really having a very, very funny time. That was, that, was, that was the year that Astrocon overlapped with uh, Halloween. And uh, and so I remember going to a bar in Dallas and, and there being a very, very good band who were all dressed as skeletons, which was quite fun. <laughs> um, well, that's rather random, isn't it? Anyway. It was, it was a good 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 evening, that. I remember, remember it fairly clearly. Um. <laughs> you probably guess we don't actually have a proper guest today. So uh, you've got us. Just that's, that's, that's right. And I should have said a few minutes ago to go to astricon.net, by the way, to get more information on that. I noticed uh, our good friend uh, Ben Klang will be speaking. He does a great presentation. At this time, we don't, we're not sure if any of you are going or you are, somebody is or not, Astricon? Well, we're hoping to, but we, uh, we're just trying to sort out the, uh, the travel budget at this moment in time. I and hate and when, when is Sorry. Burning Man, Tim? Is that the one that's conflicting with... Uh, uh, no, that, um, uh, Burning Man is the very end of August, so it's the it runs over the Labor Day weekend, um, and and I'm going to that, but I most unlikely I'll make it to Astricon um, because, yeah. as I've said to a few people, and nobody appears to believe, um, I'm getting out of voice. I'm less and less interested in doing pure voice stuff, and uh, and more and more interested in the IoT thing. Things, things, I think indeed. I think you need to get into uh, encrypted and decrypting uh, nanobots in the human body, Tim, to uh, help me write my story that's in progress. Right. Well, I mean, nanobots uh, and encryption, I could be interested in both. I'm not sh so keen on the human body bit. It's a bit kind of squishy. and you know, um, There's a lot of squishing going on in this story, for sure. So we were talking a few minutes ago and decided I was persuaded to bring this to the people. So uh, I just got a note, a uh, note, <laughs> handwritten by my uh, mobile carrier. <laughs> I got an email from uh, Free Mobile, which uh, I absolutely love those people when it works because they revolutionized telephony, uh, or at least mobile, in uh, France in that they came in and smashed the prices down to less than half and now every operator, every carrier, has to have an offer, a low-cost offer like that. And they also, uh, these fellow Swiss uh, billionaire Xavier Niel from Iliad, if you know that name, uh, also did a Steve Jobs, uh, wannabe Steve Jobs presentation where he explained how the 15-page uh, offers of his competitors were complete BS and they put all of the legal information for your account on a single page. And of course, this is no contract. And they don't subsidize phones. So it cost me about $20 a month for 50 gigabytes of data and unlimited everything calls to hundreds of, well, uh, over 100 destinations, including the United States, roaming to about 20 destinations free with three gigs of data there. And that's over 35 days a month. Anyway, all of that to tell you that they sent an email out saying that as of September 1st, they have a theoretical top LTE download of 256 megabits, 
which I had no idea was even possible. The fastest thing I've ever seen, and we'll go around the table and you can tell us, each of you, on your own phone, the fastest download you've seen. When I'm just in the right position and I know where some of the towers are, I think the fastest speed I have ever seen is in the 70s or 80s, maybe 100, which is actually way faster than you need anyway. What's the, Tim, what's the fastest LTE downloads you've seen in your memory? I'm a recent, oh, recent player in the LTE stakes because um, you only recently got LTE that covered the house, um, so I've only recently bought an LTE phone. And pretty much everywhere I go, um, I find that the LTE is in the cities is congested. So it's it's yeah. almost never um, anything like the theoretical maximum. You're almost always down. I mean, it's it's often perfectly usable, but but it's never never um, never that strikingly quick. And and but what's interesting about those numbers is that they, you're seeing that leapfrogging thing where LTE is now at least theoretically quicker than Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, that's what I'm. That's that I'm not surprised about. By the way, maybe well, you want to run a speed. Can, can you run a speed test on your uh, what? Well, the next person's talking. You think? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Do you have a but, decent signal? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that 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 kind of thing of leapfrogging Wi-Fi and actually leapfrogging, I mean, leapfrogging my copper connection here. Um, like, so I Same can here. get LTE that's kind of comparable to my, my copper connection, and that's insane. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's no, just I a have... failure. That's a failure on OpenReach's part, as far as I'm concerned. It really shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be the case. Well, I have, uh, I have that exact situation at my house. Even when my VDSL2 is working properly, uh, the up the upload speed is around 10. I've seen 30 and 40 upload on uh, on LTE. The difference, though, is that the copper is more when it's working is more stable minute to minute than LTE. And you're right. In Paris, for example, LTE pretty much sucks. There's just a much much population density. In order of who I see in the little film strip, we'll take it over to James. Yes, sir. Tell yeah. us. Yeah. Well, um, the fastest I've seen is about 125, but I've just been doing a little bit of checking. Most of the, the modern handsets now uh, will support th um, a, a maximum throughput of uh, 300 megabit per second. So on the Apple front, that's all the iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, and the iPad iPad Pro, so the latest generation. The earlier generation uh, is uh, maximum they can do is, is about 150 megabit per second. But of course, the the throughput you'll get is is uh, well, it's a bit of a complex equation because it depends on lots of variables. Major one of which is the, uh, the modulation scheme that your operator is using, and then you've got um, things like how congested things are. Rather interestingly, Andy and I were at the 5G Innovation Center, was it last week, Andy? In where? It was the week before last. But yeah, in 5G Innovation Center at, in Guildford, the University of Surrey, which is probably the premier uh, um, place for doing kind of 5G work in, in UK. And they were demonstrating waveforms there that uh, will move data at about a gigabit per second. And probably more importantly, um, were demonstrating a radio path performance, which was substantially better than anything that's out there at the moment. So we're talking about something like 25 dB better in terms of radio path capability than the existing waveforms, which is just absolutely lunatic, really. Um, it, what that means is that, uh, that effectively the range and performance of, uh, of 5G systems is is going to be, uh, well, quite awesome 
But it's going to be a couple of years yet before we see those. In fact, if you want to see what uh, the capability of handsets is going to be in um, 18 months' time, the way you do it is you go and you check out Qualcomm and find out what their new generation of handsets is doing. And Randy is threatening us with... No, actually, I'm just showing my test, which is uh, T-Mobile. It is LTE, which is, I think... Is it L LTE or LTE Advanced? No, it says LTE, and it's not very advanced because the download is 12 megs and the upload is 18. And where are you today? Santa Barbara, with the ping time of 89 milliseconds. So that's just a reference. See if let's go back to Tim, our man in. Uh, yeah, no, I'm your man in the in the sticks here. No, I I got got uh, five download and three and a half up. Which is good enough to do a video conference. Right. It, I mean, it's it's fine for all practical purposes, but it's not. It's no. Uh, it's no great uh, great shakes. And if I was trying to download something, you know, large, then I would be slightly annoyed by it. But, but it as a for its normal normal purposes, it's really not a problem. One thing that's interesting that that um, James reminded me of is I saw a fascinating talk about how with 4G. You can start to m make use of multiple base stations in your location. So the, you might have a big tower that's covering a large area, and then you have a, a bunch of small towers that, that fill in. Um, you know, so and that that particularly in the cities, that's actually really interesting uh, way to work. So if you've got people who are like you know a bunch of people at a railway station, you put a, a small cell in the railway station, and then that stops it from like sucking all the bandwidth from the other um, nearby you know the 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 meta cell, the the bigger cell that it that's it's within. And there's a lot of complicated and interesting maths about how you make use of those overlapping cells and how to um, how to optimize the performance of, of behaviors and it turns out that it's not it's not obvious um, uh, how best to do it um, and basically it seemed to me from this talk that somebody was giving that that if somebody's moving then you keep them on the big cell because they're going to cross through the small cell so quickly that it's barely worth handing them over to it. Um, and if they're stationary, almost irrespective of where they are relative to the small cell, then you probably put them on that if, it, if they can see it at all. So it's kind of interesting um, uh, set of trade-offs there anyway. Let's yep. see if Andy has a report before we move on. Well, I was actually just playing with things here. Just to see, I have uh, two different mobile connections uh, sat here. One is on three, and the other one is on Truphone. Um, so I thought I would do a comparison between them, because the, the three um, is on 4G, so it's on a LTE, and gives me uh, a speed, uh, let's see if you can see this, 16.93 down, and not a lot up, about 1.7. Good ping time, though, 44. 44. So my 3G connection to Truphone... Um, is giving me a ping time of 16 milliseconds. The test hasn't actually quite finished yet. Um, 16, one six is that? One six milliseconds. And there we go. That's, so that's the test. So this is on 3G, and I've got higher figures on wow. 3G on Truphone than I have on 4G on 3. So, and I I don't actually know where the, where the uh, the nearest. Uh, Truphone stroke Vodafone mast is, um, but I do know where the three mast is, and, and that's about a mile and a bit away. So, yeah, what have you got in the, by, by way of signal strength? Uh, by way of signal strength, well, they claim to be about the same, about three or five bars. 
Hmm. So it is interesting. So LTE is not always better. However, uh, getting back to for one second to what I was saying about free and how wonderful they are, they also are obliged to follow the law which has just come out that uh, when you roam internally, so if I'm in Paris and I don't have a free server, a free uh, antenna, you know, tower nearby, it will roam for free uh, to uh, Orange or whatever, probably mostly Orange because Orange was paid for by our tax dollars, Euros. Uh, but when it does, there are limits. And for the first year, the limit is, I think, 5 megs. And eventually, two years from now, that limit of resold space on uh, Orange Network will be limited to one meg, which is pretty low, actually. For th uh, and it's 3G, by the way, always. What was that, James? Let me see. I'll stop talking. We'll put you up. Well, 13, that is that up or up. down? That's up. So it was 60 odd. Nice. Well, that's good. That's about what I get at home. That's about what I get at home. It. And so was that? Was that, that was English Electric, wasn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> True no, I was cheating. Uh, no, no, no. That's my new, no, that's my new secondary backup circuit that went in today, for which I'm paying about two and threepence. Uh, but it comes with absolutely no customer support, and in fact, I am the customer support on that. Um, and it's a uh, it's a composite service, um, uh, but you don't want to know about that at all. But it seems to go re reasonably well, mainly because there's no no. Uh, uh, no congestion on there. No, no customers. No customers. Nobody on there apart from me. So, so it goes all right, and it's very, very cheap. So there we are. Okay. What else yeah, is up? Need... What else is up? What else is up? Ah, uh, yeah. We still so I, with... I, yeah, no, I, I saw something interesting uh, in Berlin. I saw it. This, this. I don't know if you can read that. Yeah. These guys. Code like everyone's watching. What is it? Yes. What is it? So these guys. Um, Crips. Cryptech.is are making a hardware um, encryption module uh, on, with a USB port. So it's it's what's interesting about it is that it's an open source design. So what, um, what, what what's the use case for it? Um, at the moment, it's still just experimental. So it's actually too big for the obvious use case, which is that you plug it into your computer. Um, I mean, the 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 the, the it's currently physically too inconvenient to do this, but what you would, would normally do is what you would have it as is a, is a key store for your laptop. And it, the, the model is that it's tamper-proof, so that if you take the cover off, then it wipes the keys. Mm. Ooh. You know what? It, it makes me think about... Um, I've got to be very careful what I say. When is a secure device not a secure device? Uh, and indeed, this is, this is very interesting. And that, but, so what, they're, what they've done is... Um, is to uh, build, it's basically, the hardware is all open source, so you could go out and you can take the Verilog files and you can build yourself, um, I'm going to get the terminology right, an FPGA with the right um, with the right stuff on it and go out and buy uh, standard parts, which are, you know, a basic arm and whatever, uh, and solder them onto a board and build this thing in and install open source software on it in such a way that you are reasonably sure that nobody else has had their fingers in the in the production chain um, so that's that's one aspect and then as I said the hardware is built in is designed in such a way that it would be possible to make it tamper proof now the, the demo version that they had wasn't tamper proof because they were showing it to people and taking the lid off all the time so they they've disabled that behavior but um 
But I think it's an interesting move that, that I mean, okay, it's typically Berlin, but um, it's an interesting move that the uh, um, that we're starting to see open source going into spaces which really we've never seen it before in terms of particularly in security. Those have always been closed source. Um, hardware security has always been a closed source world. So I think that's interesting. And the use case they tried it out at at the ITF, and they had a hackathon for this, uh, was securing your, um, your name server. So I think the idea was that you could run, uh, we need experts for this and I'm not one, but you could run, I think, Dane or DNSSEC, I'm not sure which, um, on your name server and issue and your, your um, uh, um, and your key, so you're keying your, your the security of your name server, and people are able to verify that it's you issuing these uh, these DNS replies, and not somebody else. Um, and that's actually quite. I mean, if you look at the the biggest weakness in there, there are two fairly serious weaknesses in in internet theoretical internet security. One of which is basically DNS hijacking, and the other one is 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 routing hijacking. Um, routing hijacking, I don't think we've fixed yet. Uh, DNS hijacking is at least fixable with something like DNSSEC, but that assumes you've got somewhere secure to keep the keys. So it's attempting to address that space. But I think it's fascinating that somebody's actually doing it. Um, it's not at the point where I would could get my head around how to use it in practice at the moment, but um, you know, uh, it's certainly certainly fun to see it it happening. And I loved their slogan. I thought thought that was, oh, that was, was glorious. Slogan? Their slogan is code like everyone is watching. That would just mean I mistype absolutely everything. <laughs> but <laughs> we do anyway, don't we, Andy? <laughs> yes, uh, generally. Do you know how the black phone, uh, which apparently is no longer, wasn't it called black phone, that uh, super secure? I thought that had hardware encryption, actually. No, they were what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're talking about Phil Zimmerman's um, thing. So there there are some, uh, there are some phones that Samsung is now making with secure element, or is it ARM? I've forgotten who's responsible for the secure element design, but there are there are ARM chips with secure elements for doing this kind of thing with, but they're quite early and and. Uh, in particular, I mean, I tried to get so this this thing that um, Samsung gave me, the Samsung Arctic, has one on it on the chipset, but uh, there's no access to it. Uh, there's no third-party access to it at the moment, so I can't code to it. Well, Whereas, even the, even the uh, the humble iPhone has got its secure um, what's it called right. repository, which um, does uh, a number of cryptographic bits and pieces, and that's how they protect a lot of their Apple-centric stuff. So it's becoming quite um, standard now. I mean, Apple do it, Samsung do it, uh, BlackBerry certainly do it as well. But I think the idea that it being becoming open source hardware as well is even is it yeah. takes it on a step and stuff that you could plug into a um, a stock computer um, or a Indeed, small server I, or something. And I really like the concept of open source uh, cryptography, even though it comes with a, a whole load of kind of issues. And, and if we had Phil Zimmerman here, he could probably do a, a, a three and a half hour lecture on the trials and tribulations of trying to open source crypto and how you export code by printing it in books and things like that. Um, but I'm, I'm just um, changing the subject very slightly. Uh, it's always fascinating to see what it, what is going on in the open source space. And in particular, one area that, that I find fascinating is open source uh, LTE, or LTE and the other mobile bits and pieces. So going back, what, two, three years ago, there were very few players on the block 
Um, you had range networks and their bits and pieces. Uh, but I'm just looking here. I can see what uh, Open LTE, uh, SRS LTE, Myriad RF, um, and there's a, a Frenchman called Bellard, Fabrice Bellard, doing it. Uh, open it, it, EPC, and then good old Yate BTS. Where is Diana? We, I miss her so much. And then That's there's then, then then there's Euricom, which again is another open source um, French thing. Um, that's probably got the most open and complete air interface for 4G. Uh, and, and open air interface, it just goes on and on and on. All of a sudden, um, it's the advent of software-defined radios and things like the Lime Microsystems uh, LMS, was it the 900 or 9000, of which I've got one in my desk drawer. I ought to bring it uh, and show it off, um, show what you can do with that. Um, Oh, and that reminds me, actually, just tracking back slightly, uh, speaking of open source, our friends at Wire have open sourced a chunk of their uh, their stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. do you know exactly what they've open sourced? Because they haven't open sourced the whole lot, have they? Uh, no, they don't appear to. I had a quick mooch through what they've what they've released, and um, but I haven't uh, I haven't had time to do a, I did did do an initial attempt at doing a quick build and failed on a dependency thing. So I pinged them about that, and they fixed it. But I haven't had a chance to get around to doing anything more with it yet. But um, um, what what bits have they open sourced? Um, well, what they what they've definitely open sourced is the messaging layer on the clients. So wow. um, so that all of their messaging stuff um, is open source on for iOS, Android, and web, which is interesting because it's an implementation of um, derived from Axolotl, not actually an implementation of Axolotl, which is the same thing that that everybody else is now using, um, including you know, I think well, it's not. Exactly the same, but it's similar to what Matrix are using and what um, uh, the, the Black Phone people are using, and and WhatsApp, and I think Facebook too now. Um, you're all using things derived from the same uh, Axolotl uh, style algorithms. Aren't why are using that in a slightly more complicated fashion though? In that, uh, if you have one account on several devices, you actually have different crypto keys for exactly. each of the sessions. Which exactly. is unusual. No, nobody else does that. And 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 the other thing that's interesting is that they they've got a version which and that's not quite true, Andy. Well, it's sort of uh, they've got a, also got a version that uh, that runs purely in JavaScript, which is insane, frankly. But um, it's cool well, that it works. Uh, 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 and who who would be insane enough to code that? Um, well, uh, um, not me, not me. Oh, beyond, you're surprised. Beyond it, my pay grade, that is. It, it's a sort of lunatic thing that you you would you would. No, no, it's it's even more lunatic than 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 I would take on. But where I was disputing you, uh, Andy, was um, Matrix have equivalent functionality but subtly different. In that, if you put something into a chat on one device. It eventually will turn up on another device, but they end up using the server to synchronize it rather than at the device end, if you see what I mean. Are you up to speed with what um, Matrix does with uh, with encryption these days? Because it's changed a bit or evolved. No. Um, so they've these. They, that's exactly uh, precisely what we we were saying just now, which is that they have they've enabled end-to-end -end optional end-to-end -end axolotl encryption um, uh, or axolotl style encryption. So you have to say that you want this. 
conversation. It's like kind of like Facebook. You have to say, I want this conversation to be secret. And the moment you click that, then the boys in blue come around and, and drag you off because you've just... That's right. You, yeah, um, you've just presented yourself as a target. Exactly. Um, which is why the, the, the always-on strategy of, of people like Wire is, is I think, um, at least more interesting in some respects. So... So yeah, no. So that that's uh, that's open sourced out there. What I don't think they've released, I should double check. But what I don't think they've released is the um, high quality audio stack on iOS and Android, or indeed possibly the web. I don't know. I have to look to see what what they've released on the website. But on I think on iOS and Android, they've kept um, the precise precise um, implementation of the audio stack to themselves. Um, which, you know, is one of the differentiators. And I think also that you don't have the, I don't know if this is done on a code basis or, or just on a copyright basis, but you don't have the, I don't think you have the right to exactly replicate their client. You can replicate the functionality, but not the look and feel, um, which is, you know, again, one of the differentiators. So I, I, it's interesting. I haven't had a chance to um, to come back and rebuild it. I had a, had a you know, an hour slot where I could try it and, and I couldn't get it to fly and then I, like I say I put a thing in and on GitHub and an issue up in GitHub and I got a response back a few hours later saying yeah it's fixed now but um, by which time I was no longer in a position to do anything with it and I haven't got back to that yet but I will at some point. Yeah, I think we all suffer from that. There's lack of time and, and if you don't get it right first time then you kind of lose lose momentum don't you? Yeah I mean I'm having the same thing with this chip although you've just, just reinvigorated me with that the idea that this I may have missed. No, this chip. This one that's not working, allegedly. Mine works. Got... Yeah, it's very good, James, and I'll have yours if you, if that's, if you don't need it. Well, oh, I've got a spare one as well. Yes. Um, $9. $9 worth of computer. The thing I like I, the thing I like most about it, and I don't know if you'll be able to see this, is that they've labelled all of the connectors. So all that, 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 that header there, all of the pins are labelled so that you can see what you're poking your... Um, your 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 little jump leads into, which I think is great. Like it is very clever. And you know, I hadn't noticed that. No, it's great. excellent. Thanks for pointing that out. No, it's a good. I mean, I don't know how long the, before those things kind of scrape off or something, but but no, it's a nice design decision. Um, runs runs quite warm actually. I was quite surprised at how warm it ran, but anyway. Yeah, and uh, people have asked, what's the difference between chip and uh, something like uh, a Raspberry Pi? Um, so it's probably worth spending about 10 seconds explaining that, I think. Right, um, so uh, let me see. Well, the big difference, the big, big, big difference is that this has a radio module on it. Now, I know that the Pi 3 does, but the Pi 3 is three and a half times the price of this, um, yeah, so this is $9. It, and it also and, has memory and... Uh, Unlike the Pi, it comes with the operating system pre-installed. Right. So you literally so, plug it in and it goes. So there's an interesting, like, I, I, the fun contrast, I was actually thinking I might have a try and do some sort of blog or talk about this. There's an interesting contrast between the, the three, my three current favorite devices. Well, my three three devices. So we have we have the Pi, which and this is an original Pi, but it's an antique now to some extent. I mean, it's just look at it, the size of that SD card. Right. So it hasn't, but but that's the size of the slot, right? So the original Pi, that was the slot size. You had no choice. I mean, okay, it's it's actually got a, a micro SD in it, but 
Anyway, so so that tells you the first thing that's wrong with the original Pi, which is that it hadn't got any memory on it, and you had to put the you know uh, long-term store on it somewhere. Um, and then the other thing was that with the original Pi, which is now not true, is that it, it used not to have Wi-Fi or Bluetooth on it, and you had to add those. But that's fixed in the Pi 3. Um, and then, but as, as James says, there's no OS on it. And then you have the, the, the glorious BeagleBone, which is, I think, my favorite now, which is slightly slower than the Pi, um, but it does come with, with 4 gig of, of um, flash on board and buttons. So it has a power button. It's very small, but it has a power button and a reset button, which is a thing that the Pi lacks. Um, you have a, a self-destruct button. Sadly not. I only need a small <laughs> amount of help before I can um, I can kill them. You, I find that putting 12 volts in the wrong place tends to do that. Um, so yeah, um, it's worse than that. It's dead, Tim. So and there is actually there's a new Pi called the Gr Beaglebone Green. Uh, there's a new Beaglebone called the Beaglebone Green, which has the, which well. Uh, but it also has the has the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi chipset on it, and so you lose you lose something. I've forgotten what. Oh, you lose the HDMI connector, and you get Bluetooth and Wi-Fi instead. So that's the sort of more for embedded devices rather than things that need a screen. And then the chip, which is so both the Pi and the and the bigger bone are like thirty-five dollars or so. Um, and then the chip, which is nine dollars. Has fairly similar sort of spec. I mean, it's got. Was it? Well, it, it doesn't have flash. It doesn't have uh, an Ethernet connector. It doesn't have an Ethernet connector, and it doesn't do HDMI. It does composite video. But um, having said that, there's uh, a shield thing that you can buy, which costs about the same price as the board in the first place, and about nine dollars, and which plonks on top. Yeah. But a lot of these things are, are horses for courses, though. I mean, the, the, the biggest strength of the Pi, really, even the original Pi, was just the 3D capabilities that they had with the graphics processing engine that was on there in hardware. And, and Bigelbone Black was, was, was better because it was more performant at the time, but didn't have that video capability. So if you take, a, take that video capability out, I mean, the, the Pi's been used for so many things for which it was never intended. Uh, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, so Horses for Courses is exactly the right way to look at it. So the Pi has a certain set of strengths. There are huge numbers of add-ons that are all cheap. There's a huge community who are putting stuff into the Pi, um, and it, so it's brilliant from that point of view. Um, and they're easily obtainable. There's a lot of people who understand how to use them, and so it's like it's a great community side as well. Um, the BeagleBone still, for me, has one huge advantage, which is that it's got these two on-chip real-time processors, which you can reach from um, from the main machine. So you can sit in your in your Linux world, coding away happily, catching interrupts, doing stuff, and then you can push a real-time task off onto these two PRUs and be absolutely sure that no incoming interrupts will screw it up. Which is which is great. So that's the that's the trick that the BeagleBone does that like pretty much nobody else does. And there's now um, allegedly though I haven't seen it because the hardware design is open source. There's a um, there's a BeagleBone module that you can sit on your own boards. So you can have a module which basically does everything that's on this board, but is a um, a smaller, much smaller object which you can sit onto your own designs, which I think is interesting. Um, and then, you know, the chip is just fantastically cheap. Um, and the thing they've done that's interesting with the chip is that they've made a, like a, um, 
thing that looks like a, a kid's calculator or a kid's toy device, but a minimal screen and a minimal keyboard. So like, I think it's think $25 gets you a, a tiny computer that you can just mess with, which I think is quite interesting. But the, the joy of all of these things is they're essentially disposable. I mean, I was a little bit upset that I blew up this BeagleBone, but, but in, in the end, that's 25 quid blown. Like, you know, and given that... That's a shame, but it's not, you know, it's not like blowing up a server used to be, where that was a, a month's wages, you know. So I think I think that's, you know, that that sort of range of, of devices is is fascinating. And then there, you know, there are others as well. There's, there's Intel and, and and Samsung have got got equivalent well, plays in the space. You must have forget the BBC Microbit, although uh, I, I actually haven't seen a purpose for that yet, other than some very basic things. I, I still don't have one, actually. I kept meaning to get hold of one, but... Um, what is that? What is that? Oh, it's, a very, yeah, it's a very basic computer, which is aimed at uh, schools, primary schools, principally, uh, so that the kids can get an introduction into coding. They do simple things like um, scrolling letters across a little screen, that sort of thing. But it, My level. It, it, no, it's very, very, very basic. So it's, it's, the, 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 it's got... I want to say 8 by 8 so whatever that is, 64, maybe I've got that wrong, red yeah, LEDs on, on, on one side. 25. Oh, it's 5 by 5, okay. Yeah. So they've got, it's got 25 red LEDs on one side and it's got a Bluetooth connector and a USB connector, tiny amounts of memory and, a, and a, um, some IO pins and something else. It's got a gyroscope on it. There's one other kind of moderately interesting yeah. sensor Built, in it. Built-in compass, which they're calling a magnetometer, of course. Right. It's got a compass, that's it. Uh, and and a thermometer? Well, it's a little bit wide for that. Um, <laughs> on, on the subject of thermometers, um, that's a bit of a lead into my little evening project over the last couple of weekends, and that's been... Um, uh, putting together a cat surveillance system. This is almost bordering on Yo Pet. Uh, you may or may not, not know that we have two young kittens. I call them Ron and Hermione because one's ginger and one's a female and pretty nice looking. Um, but uh, the rest of the family call them Tibbles, which is rather embarrassing, and Maisie. Um, and I decided it would be a really good idea if we could uh, deploy some kind of monitoring system to check on them whilst they're... Um, left home alone and so uh, I went out and did a bit of research and found a Motorola device it's actually made by some kind of Hong Kong outfit but marketed through Motorola uh, it's a, a pan tilt zoom camera uh, which then um, allows you to uh, access the the media through uh, through a cloud-based thing. It also allows you to monitor the audio and talk back to your pet, so you can make noises at them. Or if you really want to annoy them, you can play canned um, lullabies to them. Uh, it's got infrared LEDs for, for nighttime use, um, and uh, yeah, it works stunningly well. Mrs. B thinks it's really good, and so she lies in bed watching the kittens. So where, where, where is this? Can we hack it? Uh, well, yeah, sure they are down. hackable, but I'm not sure I want to. Um, um, Let's see, Showdown. What's, what's the device to 
Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll show you on this. One of the, the drawbacks, the big drawback with it, is that it comes with a proprietary mm -hmm. interface and an application called something I can't remember. I forgot what it's called. Well, what, what's the part number, James? I'm going to look it up on Showdown and see whether if we can connect to somebody else's. It's a Motorola Scout 75. And yes, you can hack them because I've already hacked it with my, um, uh, my um, Ubuntu desktop here. So um, that got me interested in this thing because I, I got really bit... No, the application is called Hubble. Here we go, Hubble. Hubble, there we go. And there's the cat cam. If I select cat cam, um, here we are. You can actually see and hear the cats. And there's a cat in the foreground there. In fact, I can make it go... Right, if I select this, I can make it... If I press the right button, go so, down a bit. So do you have notifications still turned on, James? There, Does it... there we go, there's a cat. And I can talk. In fact, let's let's play the cat a melody, shall we? Here we go. That's really annoying. <laughs> melody for the cat. Uh, the cat seems to be totally Here. ignoring it. Here Which is indeed what, what, what we found with oh, the, uh, with Yopat. Let's turn that off. It's horrible. But, uh, but you can see the uh, the cat is quite happily playing away, and it's also got a motion detector. So so when the cat moves, um, it uh, records a thirty second um, slot of audio. Sounds like Mrs. B could be a home, judging from the noise there. Oh, and, and you can talk to it as well. I press that and. So where does it store this uh, this, this audio? Look look look. Look, she's looking at me because I'm, I made the pretty call. So there we are. Where does it store it? Uh, it stores it um, as standard in a um, proprietary service called Hubble. There's an application called Hubble. Um, but I've done a little bit of work and worked out how to intercept the streams locally. And I, I can control the camera as well. And I've got a, an open source applica application called Zone Minder, um, which I've managed to plug the cat cam into. So 50, I can control... 50 quid. 50 quid from Argos. Yes, that's what I've just seen. Yeah, but, um, but that's got me all interested in Zone Minder. And I, I found these things. This is a, a, a D-Link uh, DCS I, 930L. And I, I have bought, that. I bought three of these for 19.99 each, and it's got embedded Linux, uh, and you can connect it either via an RJ45 or it's got Wi-Fi as well. So all you have to do is get power into it. it does, it's not particularly good with uh, night visibility, um, and it's it's not exactly high definition. But for that kind of cost, they're they're kind of disposable. And, and can, it also does audio, does it not? It does audio as well. It'll trigger on audio, but that's that sounds. Does that send video or does that send stills? It sends video. It's all it's I, have is, I have to I have say that emails, emails, stills. The, the reviews, well, well, yeah, of, this, right. the, the, the the reviews of this are very, very funny. What, um, what the the Motorola Scout or the DCS yes, 930? The, the, of the of the Motorola Scout. You, you, you're going to get one now, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. Uh, one, one, one person suggested that they could take up um, Randy's suggestion and um, or something very similar and use it as a brain cam. Um, a what cam? 
a brain cam on the grounds that, well, no, it's they're, they're making obscene suggestions about what a stupid idea it is, which is quite, it's quite entertaining anyway. Um, well, one of the things I was going to do is put a, a long stick with a kind of a, a furry thing on the end of it, and so you do the PTZ thing and, <laughs> and wave, wave this thing at the cat, and so the cat would then go for it, but then it would probably wreck the camera, wouldn't it? Our, our experience is that, that, in general, they're really not interested in, in this fooling about. Um, but I could be wrong. Well, I, I think you're actually on the crest of a wave here with YoPet, you know. These sort of devices are, are growing in number at quite a rate. I, I saw an advert um, somewhere, something off FaceTime, quite why I got it, I don't know. But I saw an advert uh, this week um, for a device that is sold uh, in, the, in the States for you to communicate with your dogs in much the same way as YoPet does. Uh, except for you, you, I don't know what the interface is, but you, you talk to it using your smartphone. But it also has a little compartment that will allow you to, to give the dog a treat. Yes. Oh, um, that's nice. Which, and how uh, long do you think it will take the dog to realise that if it picks this up and drops it, then it, the, then the little door falls open and all of the treats arrive on the floor? About, about <laughs> one treat, I reckon. Yeah, um, yeah that's my theory. Oh, it can work the other way. Um, you get these collars now, so they're Wi-Fi or uh, Bluetooth initiated collar. And the one I was looking at had a little compressed air thing. And if the dog does something not not naughty, it just goes underneath his chin, which is uncomfortable. Oh, I oh. thought you were going to say it was the other way around. I mean, we had we did have people from who, who when we were talking about Yopet, who suggested that we could use it to allow stay-at-home dogs to communicate with each other so they could have a virtual pack. Um, oh. And then, but the, the trouble the trouble we had was how do you, or indeed they could dial their owners and complain that they hadn't come home yet. Um, yeah. But we, we, I just we, wonder whether you can fit these things to children. Oh, dogs. But devices like that, James, are not quite on the, like that, but similar, have been around for a long time. Um, back in early 90s, uh, working at Templecombe out, out in the sticks, we used to go to a, a country pub at lunchtime, and the landlord there had uh, a couple of Dobermans, which always were always running around everywhere, but they had collars on that... Um, <laughs> that was, was such that if they wandered out of range of a local transmitter, they got an electric shock on the, on the neck as well. Yeah, and they, they, they never wandered off anywhere. They, they may have done so once or twice, but that was it. They weren't going away again. So they, they very much learned the lesson. I suspect you could have turned the thing off at that point, and, and they would never have gone. But it, it's all about pets. So many things of these devices are about pets and you're leaving your pets at home and so on. Whereas in my book, you shouldn't be leaving pets at home. Uh, I've lost my cats. Well, uh, I'm just more? looking at, at, the, at the logs for people who hacked this device of yours. Looks fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so, so, so do we now well, have a competition? You've got to hack, hack uh, Tim's electric car. And he's now, now going to hack your cat monitor. Well, I'm and not the only one with one of these things. I got one because Sam Machin said he's got one. He said it's quite good fun. So I, I immediately, uh, when I saw they were on special offer, oh, there, there she is. She's sitting in the, in the window. And where did, you, where did you purchase this thing, James? From, uh, from Argos, which is kind of like uh, Best Buy. There she is. She's sitting in the window. Look, found her, looking out. So Sophie, my wife, is probably probably uh, on her way home, and she's so the cat's detecting. 
One of the more incredible parts of this, or, or uh, impressive parts of it, is the PTZ, though. PTZ, as it were. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of things that'll do what you're talking about, but PTZ, uh, PTZ, point, what is it, point, pan, something, tilt zoom. zoom. Pan, tilt, zoom, yeah. Uh, that's actually pretty impressive, because that does allow you to do what all these bad B-movies show when they're, you're looking at the security camera, and it so conveniently follows the person that they're looking at around which probably they do now, but when those movies were made, they were not. I see it uses, it uses um, um, uh, God, what's this called? The old, uh, the old RTMP protocol, the flashy thing. So do you have mm -hmm. to use flash to, to, to watch this camera then, James? Uh, I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, well I've got it on my iPad. Okay. Bit of zoom there to prove that it zooms. Um, um, don't know. Haven't, haven't got got that far into it. Um, and you no, can see you know, it no, can't, be, can't, can't be flash because I, I, I'm I'm intercepting the stream and, and running it on on my Ubuntu machine, and that's not flash. I don't can know. you see this from outside your network? Um, yes, but only via the Hubble proxy. So how did you how did you authenticate that device against your Hubble? account. How was, um, tell me about the onboarding process. This is very um, interesting. It, it has a pairing button. So you press the pairing button, it go, puts it into pairing mode, it goes flashy, 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 um, and then you look for the Wi-Fi from the device uh, and you pair it over Wi-Fi first. There's an exchange of cryptographic keys. No, wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. You, you, sorry, take this slowly. You on, so on your iPad, you're sitting there, you install the Hubble app on your iPad, and then you press the pairing button on the camera, and then you look for the Wi-Fi from the camera on your iPad. Correct. And then you select it, and then the Hubble app has a chat with that. Correct. You've got it. And there's an exchange of credentials. Um, but, but it's only in pairing mode for, I don't know, 60 seconds or so. Right. And then how do you put it onto your own Wi-Fi? Um, well, the stream actually is encrypted. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. no. I, I, I only put the thing on, on onto your thing. Uh, you so do that from your the Hubble app, you from do it the Hubble the app, app on your iPad, whilst it's still on it, its own thing, but you type in said, the Wi-Fi credentials for your real network, and then it joins that. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, I'm just trying to. Like, this is this is interesting stuff for me because I'm I'm digging my way into this world. So learning yeah, how it, people do this is. It's it fun. could be it could be easier, and knowing you, you'd probably have a, a QR code in there that you just scan. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It depends um, on. Um, interestingly, where's my, my my new device arrived? And I've got a little card. Here we are. And I, if I just put my finger. James, oh. James, those those D-Link things you showed a few minutes ago. Now, doesn't how do you set those up? Doesn't that come because mine came with a Java app? And, yeah, uh, the, the I don't think. Yeah, I'm I'm putting my finger over certain bits, so it comes oh, with a, a, a a plastic card with. Um, QR Sorry, card. what what was that? That's this your Wi-Fi. No, this is for my new um, Technicolor Gateway Wireless Router, which is sitting over there. My GoFaster private secret um, secondary internet link. Um, and the way you do that, um, set that up. And I was quite impressed with this. Uh, I'm using an open is it an open source. No, it's a proprietary, but it, but it, it's not related to um, the. So, so I'll, I'll run through this. So you've got this. It's, it's getting a white screen of death. That's not good, is it? Let's try that again. Close. 
Yeah, there we go. So I've got this this app which is unrelated, which just reads QR codes, scan with camera. So I've got the uh, the code here, which uh, I then scan it. It goes, bing, processing code, and it gets me... So it sends you app. through a URL then, or it yeah. loads an app? And so it's told me, I've put my finger over the password. Okay, okay. Oh, this is... Right, so I'll just describe just it. Just describe it, yeah. So it gives me a number of actions, and I can display a QR code again just to um, promulgate it further, or I can connect to it, or I can copy the bits and pieces to the clipboard. So when I say connect, what this does, it goes off to the server and passes the um, SSID and password, uh, and then comes back with a Wi-Fi profile. And here we are. If I go into that, I'll show you that. There we go. I don't know whether you can see that. Which is in a format that the iPhone will recognize and store in its key store. So I then just hit install up here, and it installs it in exactly the same way as a, uh, as a, uh, uh, a 3G or 4G carrier profile. That's insane. Yeah, but it works really it's well. insane. You've basically just uploaded your Wi-Fi credentials to some arbitrary person's cloud. Yeah, I have, haven't I? <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I, I know I'm ranting about this cloud stuff, but really, I, the idea of all of this stuff just going up to the cloud and everyone thinks, oh, it'll be fine. And then when you see all the stories of people being hacked, it's because some clown has... I mean, the other thing, though, right, it's not just that these things can be hacked. It's that and look, look, point... it, it, it comes back signed with all these certificates. Can you see that? Yeah, domain validation. Okay. Who oh, is qrafter.com? Okay, right. Qrafter is the application. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, I've just... So they've now, they've now got your, your Wi-Fi credentials. I mean, and they've got your IP address. Yeah, and I did that without even thinking. That, that's what's really dangerous, isn't it? Right. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, you know I'm I, sure they're, I, they're wonderful people and nothing will go wrong, but, but then you'll find... All, I can change all my credentials. I can change the SSID. You're still in control of the situation, but it yeah. isn't like... So well, I, I, want, I wanted to go through the user experience to find out no, I, how it worked. I, and, and so I it's think, just like you. And it's just like you and, and this cat cam thing. You, you're really, really interested in this. because Absolutely. It's the user experience that determines whether the thing flies or dies. Well, yes. But then the next thing is, what happens to that data that's sitting in that cloud server? What happens when somebody buys them? Or they dump that machine in a skip and don't write, write the disk. Or they get hacked well, by the Russians. You I, you know, know what? It's just... I'm, go I'm going to change my SSID and passwords after this session. I'm sorry, James. I'm, I'm sorry to like, you know, be yeah, the yeah, no, 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 bad this thingies. Is, this is all healthy stuff. Anyway, and can you change back to, the MAC address? No. Um, anyway, coming back to Zone, what's it called? Zone ma Master, Zone Minder, Zone, zone Minder. Zone. Uh, have a look at Zone Minder. Oh, I've done so to, several times. Have you tried old uh, old uh, um, our friend Jonathan Taylor's uh, Sighthound? 
which is a competitor for that. No, I haven't. But I tell you what. I tell you what attracted me to ZoneMinder. It was the list of devices that you can easily uh, connect to it. Also, they've got both iOS and Android clients that give you huge amounts of functionality uh, with a ZoneMinder backend. And something else I, I really quite like is the ability to take old or very very cheap Android handsets and you make them into deployable um, cam cameras as well. And you know, I went out and bought a, a slack handful of the the EE Rook handsets, which are actually, I think, underneath their ZTE Blade 3s or something like that. And they cost, wait for it, £19.99 each and came with a an EE SIM card with £10 worth of creds. I only wanted the SIM, car, uh, SIM cards. So, uh, yeah, £19.99 for a fully functioning um, thing, complete with that headset charger. Uh, it's got GPS, um, battery. Does it um, do 4G? Yeah, of course it's 4G because it's an EE handset. So, yes, hmm. and 4G as well. So you can make it into a wireless hotspot. And um, it makes you think, I mean, who wants to play with uh, a Beagle Bone or a Raspberry Pi or even a, a $9 incomplete bit of stuff like this when you can have a complete thing? What the hell's that? What's Randy waving at the camera? You're putting me off. You're distracting me. Randy, put it away. It's, it's, it's the pet. He's got so, a Pokemon on, on, on his, uh, his wallet. Oh, well, that's something else, uh, a subject which is uh, really topical at this moment. Pokemon Go. Have, yeah. have you experienced this? I, I, oh. I really don't think that, that three old men should be talking about Pokemon Go. Well, no, it's we're, just we're, we're not the target age group. I, I don't know, though. Are, are, we, are we not? I mean, if you look at... There's one guy in Brighton who's, I don't know, late 30s, something like that. that. But there are apparently 143 different Pokemon that you can collect. And since the, since the, uh, the app came out, he's collected them all, which has involved him walking 167 miles, and he's lost two and a half stone in weight. So it's been really good for him physically. Yeah, well, it gets worse than that. Two of Sebastian's teachers from um, the school, which I won't name for lots of really good reasons, have just quit because they have decided that, A, they're having more fun playing Pokemon Go. And because they're quite professional at this, they can make more money out of Pokemon Go than they can out of teaching. Yeah, but for how long? I was well, going to say, this week. That is uh, very true. It's a very short-term thing. Also, my dear darling son came to me and said, Dad, can I have one of your EE rooks, please? So, what do you want that for? He said, because I want to uh, harvest uh, Pokemon Go things. So how are you doing that then? Said, well, uh, I root the thing, he said, and that allows me to then uh, move around the globe, spoof my way around the globe, and collect <laughs> um, rare Pokemon things. Uh, and he's using that in conjunction with a Pokemon detector thing. He's got a script which, which detects where the rare ones are, and then he goes chasing after them. Um, and he said that already they, they, they've got countermeasures against these things. So um, if you just suddenly appear and you move too quickly, then it disallows it. So, so what, he, what he was doing yesterday was plotting a route through Central Park in New York um, and then uh, moving at kind of walking speed, but then it's varied slightly so it's, it, it doesn't look machine-generated, it looks natural. Um, in order to get some of these rare Pokemon characters. And that's my 16-year-old son. 17, sorry, 17-year-old son. But all, all my kids are playing it. They're, they all, they're, but have they worked out how to hack it yet? Oh, look, they're all using iPhones. They're not going to root anything, are they? 
Um, and no, they haven't got the wherewithal to hack it at the moment. Well, well, well they need some EE rocks, don't they? At nineteen ninety nine, <laughs> infinitely hackable. <laughs> yeah, but you, we think you bought them all. Well, I only got four of them, and one of, one of them's got your name on, Andy. Yeah, I know. Where only is it? Got four of them, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I've got one over. I've got one over here. Hang on, I'll, I'll show you what it what it looks like. Nineteen ninety nine. You know that you know that you're now on another one of those watch lists again now, James, because you just bought four burner phones. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm quite. I'm wondering how, um, how our various communications between James and myself on the, on a daily basis seem to not not be working quite the same way as they used to. Then they're, they're not as reliable. I'm wondering if everything's being intercepted somewhere. <laughs> right, so right. This is an this is an EE Rook, as you can see, still sealed. 19.99. It has the SIM card inside. What's in the box? Handset, battery, headset, USB cable, and a quick start card plus a, an EE SIM card. It's almost so, worth it just for the charger and the headset. You well, can throw exactly. The phone away. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I thought. Um, and uh, I got these from Argos, and they they put them in their sale. They they whack them down. They they were originally about sixty quid. I think fifty nine ninety nine. They put them down to twenty nine ninety nine. I bought I bought one. And I thought that, that that's a good good bargain for twenty nine ninety nine. And then next week they they put them down to um, nineteen ninety nine. I thought, oh, here we go, quick, where's the stock? Um, and I bought everyone I could in Salisbury. So this, got... but I'm just looking at the advert for them here on on, on Argos, and it, it tells, says ten pounds top up required. So yeah, got... yeah, no, 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 no. But you don't if you if you do this. Uh, what's it called? The express checkouty thing, where you pay for it in advance. Uh, online, and then it's click and collect, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, and so if you do that, you don't have to pay the £10 top-up thing. Oh, right. Okay. I'm going to see. But, of course, all the rooks are all gone. and I mean, the uh, the going rate on eBay, I think, is about 50 quid. So what version of, uh, of Android are they running? Like 4.3 uh, or something? Yeah, you know, for... No, no, it's, it's more modern than that. And everything's infinitely upgradable because it, it's a pretty vanilla Android device, and so um, it's it's extremely rootable and hackable, um, and comes with a very vanilla flavour of whatever. And well, so, if you so look it's, on, it's how antique it is rather than how vanilla it is that I'm interested in. Um, it's it's more modern four point four. I can't remember, uh, and I, and I haven't got my the one that I. Anything older than five is annoying. Yeah, Andy, just just Basically. Google it and find and find out what what what, what the latest version of of. Uh, Andy okay. Is. Sorry, the latest. I, I was actually not paying attention to what you were saying then. For, for the rook. Rook. For the rook. <laughs> well, uh, my local Argos has them. Yeah, but what's what version of Android? Uh, I don't know. Let's have a look. We shall find it. A standard, bearing in mind that you can upgrade these things. So, it says, not a lot there. Come on, give me some specifications, you rat. Here we are. Uh, 400 by 800 display. 5.1. Yeah, giga RAM. Android 5.1, that's good. That's not bad, actually. Perfectly usable. Interesting. 1999. Mm. So who wants a bit uh, uh, a Raspberry Pi then? Oh, who who, well, who so, wants one of these? A chip. So so that uh, yes, unless you're going to plug some some hardware into one of these sockets that isn't available on the phone, then there's no earthly point. I, yeah, the I, only point I, in getting one of these is if you're going to plug it into something like that or a or a solar monitor or something which which the phone won't of itself do. 
And of course, the phone comes with GPS, it comes with Wi Fi, it comes with two cameras, I mean, and a battery already built into it. Yeah, except that you had to write all that stuff in the Android environment, which is a bit, bit of a pain in the ass. But yes, I mean, essentially, James, you're right. There's, there's any anything that you could do with the phone without having to poke wires into it, you should do with the phone because it's going to be cheaper, um, just from the scale and com competition perspective. It's only if you're going to plug these things into, you know, the cat feeder or, which there's a lovely nurse. A well, but you can yeah, Bluetooth um, control cat feeder and you can trigger that from your Android handset. Well, what do you think the Bluetooth controlled cat feeder's got in it? Well, not a lot. Well, one of these, presumably. To yeah, run well, the Bluetooth. It's like, you know, there's a chicken and egg thing here, James. You've got to have something on the far end of your Bluetooth connection. Yeah, and the silly thing is that Bluetooth-enabled uh, cat feeder will probably cost you more than the Android handset. Well, it will, won't it? Because economies are scale. Well, yes, you're, you're, in fact, you, you haven't followed your own advice, James. What's that? Because you've just spent 50 quid on a cat monitor when you could perfectly well have used one of the Rooks. Yeah, but you, but the Rook doesn't have the, the, the PTZ stuff, does it? PTZ. Well, that's an interesting yeah, I question. I wonder if you could, like, have some sort of, like, if you buzz it this way, it would, like, I don't know. Yeah, but there you go. You, so that, that's, that's exactly the point. That's exactly it. If there's something your phone doesn't well, do... Well, that's a really good point, but, of course, the phone's got the, the vibrator, isn't it? And remember, uh, the Astricon, three Astricons before, uh, 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 ago, I did a, a 360-degree... Um, panorama thing with my iPhone tonight and we stood it on a table in fact stood it on a plate in fact and I set it going and it was going bzz, 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 and rotating itself with its uh, vibrator yes yes it you still isn't it. as funny as as, as, um, as the get... swearing at the light bulb I haven't seen anything as funny as that for ages <laughs> <laughs> and, and because you're not going to uh, Astrocon you won't see it will you indeed indeed Miss you, Tim. Well, yeah, but we're, we're not going to be there either. So. Well, I'm working on that. Don't say things like that. Don't say never. I didn't say never. I and said you, this year. And you, you, you saw my response on the pink drinks um, discussion. Yeah, yep, uh, indeed. I, I, I am intending to be there. Uh, and the, the key to success here is that flights to uh, Arizona are considerably less expensive than flights to Chicago in early August. So there's a choice to be made. Yeah. You know so that we are it, 12, min 12 are minutes over? beyond our general... Yeah, I mean, oh, we well, should, what we should do is have one final word from everybody, sending them to something, an app, or... Well, you sending them to 20, 20 infomercials <laughs> during the hour anyway. But if there's anything else, like true phone or just as an example... Well, that's far too commercial. I want to see a bakery cam and be able to look at uh, the cookie production zone in Fred's bakery. In I think the way to do that is to send Fred the cam and then... Uh, uh, yeah, I think Fred wouldn't have something as dubious as that on his Wi-Fi. I suspect that Fred would want it properly secured before it was connected to his Wi-Fi. Well, I'm, I'm sure he would, but I, I'm just thinking, where else could we put a camera which could be entertaining? Hmm. Uh, how about a GoPro on Fred's uh, chef's cap or whatever it is that he wears? Okay. We'd have a chance to look at the lovely Jenny, his wife, who's a, one of the now, most charming people I've ever met. Yeah, but that'd be uh, wifey, not Wi-Fi. 
on your on your thing about uh, using phones instead of using hardware uh, specific hardware I think it uh, came across a really good example the other day so a friend of mine runs a food delivery startup um, and um, he has this contract with the, the courier that they don't turn the food upside down so when he ships it from the kitchen it's packed properly and it's the right way up and he does, they're not to be turned upside down and so um, in order to test whether the carrier is any good or not he sent out he sends out in any given week he sends out some test meals which don't have food in them but they do have phones in them and the phone and the axis sensor on the on the on the phone records how this meal was treated on its way and if he gets one of these that, that, that's been flipped up or has been delayed or or indeed has been too warm um, he refuses to pay the bill for the week so um, so he uses these 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 secret shopper shippings of phones rather than meals as a way of, uh, of make keeping the carrier on their toes which I think is fascinating um, right. I won't name him well I'm certainly going to have one in the little new little white car that my son is going to be driving around he's just was about to do his driving test so I want to monitor the speed and driving style of my 17-year-old son. And I think no, you don't. You really don't. Well, you don't I do. Know. It's better, better not to know, James. You just have to trust them. They're going to do it anyway. And listen, this is the son who's hacked the, that you'll find that he's in driving across Central Park before you know it. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in fact, well, we ought to have my son on, and he can uh, demonstrate his um, his drone with uh, 4K video with live feed. He, can he, he hunt he, Pokemon with it? That's an idea, isn't it? You just fly, fly a handset. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, the the app actually detects the, your speed of movement, as they said. Um, they've they've increased the speed on it. It used to cut off if if you were on a push bike too fast. It won't let you do it. Um, so you you couldn't go to a, a poker stop or a poker gym and actually interact with the thing. It will just say no, you're moving too fast. So if you're in a car, travelling at a normal sort of car speed, it's not going to work. If you're stuck in traffic, it's great. It works all the time. So where where's your local po Pokemon gym thing? Because for, for for us, there's one in Salisbury Cathedral. So all of a sudden, there are all these kind of teenage youths lurking around the uh, the cathedral, looking yep. untidy. Well, my my nearest Pokemon gym is actually on the AFC Bournemouth Stadium, so that uh, it's it's used quite a lot. They um they seeded this from public database of places of interest apparently, and um, they didn't do a great deal of go to a great deal of effort to filtering it. So there are a lot of war memorials and um, and mental asylums on the list as well, which probably shouldn't be. <laughs> a mental asylum, allegedly. Yeah, and, uh, and there was a story about um, restaurant owners, you know, McDonald's wanting to pay Pokemon quite considerable amounts of money in order to set up McDonald's restaurants as Pokemon gyms. Yeah, for obvious yeah. Excellent. an excellent idea, and also an excellent time to close this because We're the uh, fan. Well, because of the fan, the infomercial. No, because of the fan of my MacBook Air, which has been going for the last 30 minutes. The power brick is hot, and so am I. So we'll close it out. We'll hopefully, um, maybe Michael will have the time to edit the video so that it has the proper opening, because mine yeah, was... Cut uh, out all the crap bits, which is probably about... No, 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 because if we do that, there'll be nothing left. No, exactly. So we can't have that. <laughs>
so thanks, everybody, for putting up with us, all two of you viewers. And for the rest of you, we'll strip the audio off the video, too, and put that out on VUC.me. Next week, and unfortunately, with Michael not here, I don't even know how to pronounce these names. There's a camera thing coming on. Do you, did anybody remember what that's about? Uh, no, not going really. Going once, going twice. Well, anyway. A camera thing. Look, my cat's still in the window. Look. Oh, six excellent. Movie. That's so exciting. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. VUC 605. Meanwhile, uh, have a good life. No routing tables were corrupted during this edition of the VoIP Users Conference. Also, IP communications and VoIP on Google Plus communities. Thanks for staying. VUC.me is the address on the web. VUC.me slash live if you're interested in watching the videos. Very often they're demos, so you would gain by watching them. Our thanks to Simwood, Simwood.com. OnSip.com, our hosted PBX for the last several years. ZipDX.com, the fantastic, full-featured, full-color, wideband, Zip conference server. And DeVoxBone.com for the 48 local rate dial-ins. See you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.